Welcome to Miss V, the Storyteller Podcast. This podcast is for anyone who loves a good story. I believe in the power of stories and how they have the potential to change our lives for the better. On this podcast, I will bring you amazing stories and amazing guests. These stories will make you laugh, cry, think, heal, and in some cases, propel you into making new and better choices. So let's get started today with some stories. Welcome to Miss V, the Storyteller Podcast. I am here today with someone who does something that I used to do, and I loved it when I did it. It was amazing. I no longer do it, but when I did, I loved it. You know, I search for the best people and I bring them on the show so that we can tell stories, so we can be uplifted and encouraged. So today, my guest, Donna, before we get into the story, she's going to tell us a little bit about herself. So Donna, go ahead and tell us a bit about yourself. So I am, this is my 20th year teaching middle school. So brave soul. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I am also a speaker, a teacher, a domestic abuse um, survivor. And um, I am here to, I'm thrilled to be able to tell stories with you. This is great. Thank you so much. So as you can see, she is an educator. She teaches middle school. And when, when her and I had our meet and greet, when she told me that, I was like, oh my God, you are an angel. Because I was in um, middle school for about three years. And let me say, that was the last time I was there because oh middle school was very hard for me. Because prior to that, I had to always work with the younger students. So going into middle school was like, whoo. So when she said she was a middle school teacher, I was like, I want you to come on the show. We're going to talk about it because the kids are in school now. And I can only imagine what teachers are going through, especially after the pandemic and all of those things that happened. Woo. So Donna, what story are you going to share with us or go ahead and share your story with us? So I have a couple of funny middle school stories. So, um, you know, people get really, I don't know, I taught kids in sort of an inner city school, a Title I school, really poor. And these kids were came to the U.S. from everywhere. I had a, a class with six different foreign languages in it, and none of them were English. They're all level ones and twos and, and very, like, stilted English. And they had done a really good job. And so as a pre-engineering teacher, we were doing some um, cloud clay and we were making, um, we were making basically Play-Doh for them to make bridges or whatever out of. And so one of the boys asked me if what they were playing with, it was cornstarch. And he asked me if it were poisonous. And I said, well, I can't give you something that's poison. Why, you know, why would I do that? And one of the little girls said, we use it for, we use it in cooking. And I said, well, you know, we use it as a thickener. And, and so they were talking about food. And 
And it was so funny. And I really thought I was going to get fired at this point for what the boys were saying. And the one boy looked at the other and he goes, man, my mom can cook. And there are two African-American boys and they're talking about all the things that those one boy, his mama could cook. And the other boy goes, man, my mom cannot. And he looked at the other boy and he goes, but, but you're, you know, skin color, whatever. And I'm like, oh no. And it was so funny because they looked at it and he goes, no, man, my mom's white. And the kid goes, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to get fired for this, I might as well. And I'm like, look, you know, they're obviously looking at me like I'm, I'm obviously white. And I'm like, you know what? My mom can't cook either. And they just looked at me. <gasps> and so I said, you know, um, my mom makes scrambled eggs in the microwave. And they're looking at me like, Ugh. oh, right. And, I said, and, and that is it's terrible. But she makes scrambled eggs in the microwave. And she's an old nurse, right, from the 50s, 60s, 70s. And so she cooks everything until it's terrible. And so these scrambled eggs and I, the kids were looking at me with wide open mouths going, um, I said, my mom's cr scrambled eggs in the microwave come out the consistency of kitchen sponges. And it was so funny because it really just, you know, like, I'm sorry that, you know, that <laughs> your mom can't cook. And I was like, yeah, mine can't either, you know, and just kind of that, that camaraderie of, but it was so funny. I really didn't know whether to laugh or think I was going to get fired at that point. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. And some of the things that they, you know, that they come up with, um, we did a project with, and this really struck me. Um, we did a project with a free software where the kids could make a floor plan of a house. It was supposed to be their dream house as long as it had three bedrooms and two bathrooms and a laundry room. And they could put a garage and, you know, whatever else. And, and there was even furniture that they could furnish the house with and all these kind of things. And this one boy looked at me and he goes, but miss, nobody needs a house that big. Oh, okay. And he said, we only have one bathroom in my house. Ain't nobody got no privacy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love kids. You know, but but they have no, you know, but these are multi-generational families and I didn't grow up that way. And so I think I learned as much in that project as the kids did. Now, some of them had really good, you know, they had fun with it and there were cats and this one boy had a had a um steak you could set the table with all the things and all the foods and things so this boy put a piece of steak down in front of a cat so that the cat could have food too along with the family at the you know in the big house that he made some of the others had really elaborate garages oh. and the rest of the house was really kind of scarce and sparse but that garage was really important to them so like I said I think I learned as much about them and their families and and different cultures as the kids did but we had a really good time figuring out you know where things go and another boy told me that um he didn't need a laundry room at his house and I said well that's part of the grade that you you know you get and he said well I'm going to put a laundry room in my house but I'm not going to use it because 
because laundry on Saturday is a social occasion. Everybody oh. in the community goes to the laundromat, and that's how you find out what your neighbors are doing. And, oh, you know, you hang God. out with your friends. <laughs> and I had no idea because, again, that's not how I grew up. So it was laundromat on Saturday and then church on Sunday. This is where you hung out with all your friends and neighbors uh-huh. and, and the people in your community. And I think that's great. I just never experienced that whatsoever. But, you know, all the things that, that you learned, that was really interesting. You know, I, as I'm listening to you, it really shows you how kids, they how they live their lives through, they, they do it in their drawings and questions that they ask and projects that you give them. You can really tell, like you said, a lot about them. Well, I'm not going to share about middle school because middle school was not the best for me. I am going to share about when I first started teaching and I had the little ones. I had four-year-olds, four and five-year-olds, okay. I believe. And so we, ha- I had a classroom and I had probably, it was probably a, a, more boys than girls. And I had these two particular boys. One was named Austin. And Austin was the sweetest little boy in the world. He had the most loving parents. His parents were very tall and big. So when you looked at Austin, he looked bigger than the other kids because of his parents. Then we have Lee. Lee was little itty bitty. Lee looked his age, but Austin did not. Austin looked like he could have easily been the first or second grade, but Lee looked Mm. just like a preschooler. Lee had a single mom and um, Austin's mom and dad kept telling him, you have to be careful in class because you're bigger than everyone else. You need to be nice and you have to be kind to them because you are bigger. And he took it to heart. He was so sweet, so friendly. Now, Lee, on the other hand, he beelined and he wanted to be Austin's friend's friend because he knew Austin would never tell on him, fight him back would never do anything. He just took everything because he remembered what his parents told him. Well, Lee began to kind of bully Austin. And Mm -hmm. Austin would complain to me, you know, he would come to me, Lee's not being a good friend. He's saying mean things to me. He's taking, he takes things from me, you know, and he kept complaining. So I would pull Lee to the side and talk to him about how to be a good friend. Well, it got to the point where I had to talk to the parents. I talked to Austin's parents first because, of course, he was going home and sharing and talking about. And he told his mom that he didn't want to be Lee's friend, but Lee had no friends in the classroom because nobody liked him. And then Lee, on the other hand, he wanted to be Austin's friend. And anytime Austin didn't want to play with him, he would get upset, go home and complain and tell his mom, you know, Austin doesn't want to be my friend. So I talked to both sides. I talked to Lee's mom. I talked to Austin's parents and I let them know what was going on. And I was in hopes that they would talk to their kids and it would get better. It didn't get better. I was tired. I was tired of talking to Lee, I was tired of Austin coming in complaining. So one day now, let me go back before you judge me. I was very young and it was probably my first or second year teaching. So Mm -hmm. I had a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, back to the story. <laughs> so we were outside on the playground one day and I had had it. And I hear Austin tell Lee to stop it. Just stop it. I don't want to play with you. I don't want to be your friend. Just stop it. And Lee wouldn't. Austin comes over to me and he said, Miss V, I'm just, I can't take it anymore. He won't leave me alone. I grabbed Austin and I said, I want you to take Lee behind that tree and I want you to pop him one good time. I want you to take your hand and I want you to pop him one good time. I promise you, you won't get in trouble. Everything's going to be fine. Austin looks at me with those huge big eyes like, I can't do that. My parents told me not to do that because I'm bigger. And I said to him, that is the only way to make him stop bullying you. Again, remember you all, I was a young teacher, very new, very green, okay? So we're playing and I hear this scream. Austin have popped <laughs> Lee. Lee came running from behind the tree to me crying. Austin hit me. Austin hit me. So I said, well, what did Austin do to make him hit you? He's so sweet. He never hits anyone. He's always so gentle and kind to everyone. So what did you do to make him do that? And he kind of looked at me because, of course, in his little mind, I was supposed to go and get Austin and Austin was supposed to get in trouble. And I didn't do that. And I say, you have to be nice. I say he was probably tired of you pushing him and bullying him. You have to be nice to your friends. So I said, go inside, wipe your face and then come back outside and everything will be fine. Well, when I realized what I had did and what had happened, I said, I'm going to get fired today. Mm hmm. So I had gotten in my mind, I'm going to get fired. So by the end of the day, I was waiting for the parents to come in so I could let them know the story myself. But something happened and the two boys got picked up and I never had the opportunity to talk to their parents. So the next day I came to work with so much anxiety. I was literally waiting for them to be waiting for me to take me into the office and fire yeah, me. Absolutely. <laughs> But that didn't happen. Austin's mom came in first and her name was Mona and me and her became such good friends. And she said to me, Austin told me what happened yesterday. And I was like, well, Miss V didn't say anything. She didn't call me. And Austin said he didn't get in trouble. And I said, that's right. He didn't get in trouble. I said, because I'm so sick of Lee bothering him. I said, you have done such an amazing job with him. And he takes to heart everything that you say. And sometimes he'll be taken advantage of because of that. And Lee does that. And she said, well, you know, Miss V, we don't teach Austin to hit anyone. I said, I gave him one pass. That is all. He's never to do it again. One pass. And she said, okay. Austin came in, went to play. Lee comes in, sprawled all out over his mama. And his mom was like, Miss V, Austin, I mean, Lee came home and he's crying and he's upset because he said that his best friend hit him. And I said, he did? And she said, yes, he was so upset by it. And I said, well, you know, Lee did come to me and tell me that Austin hit me him. But I told him that that's so not his character. And I asked them, what did he do to cause that? And she kind of looked at me because I was blaming her son. 
and she wanted to blame just like him on Austin. And I said, well, he doesn't have a history of doing this behind this be kind this kind of behavior. So something had to have happened. Well, we got to the bottom of it. Lee confessed. But what was so amazing about this story is Lee's mother was very upset with me. She did not say anything to her son when she found out what he did to Austin, that he had hit Austin and he kept pushing Austin and Austin had had it. And that's why he got hit. Her whole thing was she wanted me to do something to Austin and not to Lee. So that's my story. That is my history. Like I said, please don't judge me. I was very young yes. and I was, it was preschool and I didn't know what else to do. I had talked to both the parents. So with that background, what you learned, like for me, I've learned a lot through my students when I taught school. I learned a lot about the home and all those things. So what are some of the things that you found out through the children that you carry on through the rest of your life without the kids when I'm saying outside of school because I've learned some things that I've taken outside of school from my kids so I love that question and I'm going to share a story and then I'll get into the then I will get to the lesson but um this I had this sixth grade girl in my class and she had severe test anxiety mm -hmm. Like she would either miss school or go to the bathroom and throw up and then come to my class and try to take her test. And it was just horrible, poor thing. And I felt so bad, um, but I can't not give her a test because right. that's how we, you know, that's how we grade things. So um, I tried to like call home and email and all the things that teachers are supposed to do. And the parent, told me that she wasn't going to speak to me if she wanted a principal's conference me and the principal and I was like oh no like how you know what did I do is the first thing you think as a new teacher right. and so she met so we we walked in and I was trying to make small talk and how are you and how's it you know and, and she looked at me and she said well the Bible says that we have to pray for our enemies. So I'm telling you that I'm praying for you. And oh like, my. Oh, like, and, and so I had no idea. Like what in the world, like, what did I do? This is my like first or second year teaching. I had no idea what I did. And the principal kind of asked her, well, you know, what, what did she do? Come to find out she would drop her children off early in the morning at the school and she was leaving the school as I was coming in and she waved at me every day and I did not wave back. So therefore I was her enemy and I had to apologize to her. I said, look, I'm so sorry. As I am driving into the school, I'm thinking about, I have this to do today. I mm -hmm. need to make these copies. I need, mm -hmm. you know, all the things. And Hey friends, it's me, Miss V the Storyteller. Did you know that I offer online classes and one-on-one -on -one consulting to help with branding and business owners to use the gift of storytelling to increase revenue and clients? For more information, visit my website at 
Miss V the Storyteller at GoDaddySites.com. All right, friends, I'll see you in class or one-on-one. Bye. I learned through that that I just need to, you know, kind of be more present and watch my, you know, watch my surroundings and, and be aware of the people around me because I don't know what they're going through. And, you know, so this woman thought I hated her because I wasn't waving at her every morning. So I made a conscious effort to wave and and speak to her children and and her in the morning. Um, But it's things like that, I think, that you that you internalize and Mm -hmm. and become and um, had some girls in my class my classes at the title one school that, um, you know, whatever you think of the immigration policies that that's not, you know, that's not what happens in the classroom. You teach who's sitting there in in front of you. But um, there was a girl who um, her dad could only, they were, the dad was divorced, remarried to, his girls lived with him and the stepmom and they had two other children and the dad worked for years to save up for them to have green cards. And he could only afford three green cards out of a family of six. And so the dad and his two daughters came to the United States and the stepmom and the other two children are still in the third world country. And this little girl is so Like she's an A student because she said, my dad sacrificed Mm -hmm. to to save up. And now my dad's working two jobs so that we can live here and he can save up money to get green cards for those other, for my, my stepmom and and my brother and sister. And the work ethic Mm -hmm. and the, the valuing of just thank you for everything that we have um and that gratitude there was the same the same group of kids the the english language learner like level english language learners are like from level one to five and six and i had ones and twos so very broken very little english and so we watched a charlie brown thanksgiving and I had made them little Ziploc baggies of popcorn and M&Ms and little cinnamon toast crunch cereal. And this boy looked at me and he goes, do we have to share this? Oh, wow. And they just looked at me like that was like they had never had anything that they didn't have to share before. And um, one of the teachers, the other teachers brought in a Diet Coke and he didn't want it because it was, it was getting flat. It was warm, whatever. He threw that in the trash. I thought those children were going to riot. Wow. The refrigerator, you could have, we could have shared it in cups. We could have, you know, that's wasteful. And I think the clincher though, and I tried not to cry. It was so hard. I gave the kids, I was teaching them spreadsheets. And so I gave them little M&M snack packs. And, 
you know, there's like 12 M&Ms in there. And I had them count the M&Ms and put, you know, the colors and the numbers. And then we made it into a little pie chart in Google Sheets. And this little boy looked at me and he goes, and, and after they made the, the, the chart, they could eat the M&Ms. And he said, are they all for me? Yeah, sweetie, they're all for you. Do you mind if I wrap some up and take them home to my baby brother? Oh. It's like this at my house. Oh, my God. And I was like, and do you know that boy ate like four M&Ms and he wrapped the rest of them up in that in that wrapper? He put them back and he put those in his pocket for his baby brother. Oh, my God. I thought I was going to cry. So on Friday, I happened to have a few extra packages. And that went to those to those kids. But we did a Thanksgiving word cloud. Like I gave them some English words and said, you know, what are you thankful for? And do you know those children said things like my house, my school, my teacher, my family, my life. Wow. And they're 12. They're thankful to be alive. Yeah, you can learn so much from kids. And I think sometimes it helps us to be better people. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely. You know, but thinking about how a 12-year-old would say they're thankful for their life and what kind of life they must have had before they came to the U.S. to be so thankful for a little package of M&Ms that they don't have to share you know, so things like that were really just things that I internalized. And how grateful am I for a package of M&Ms yeah. and, you know, and the money to go buy those things to to share with them. So I think that that really has, has made me more, um, more, I realize now how much more people have gone through and how grateful some of the kids are to just be here in the U.S. and to learn and to, you know, just just to be alive and have friends and. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Now, it's so funny that you had that that um, situation with that parent, and I had a um, a situation that was a little bit similar to what you did. I had a parent who didn't like me she thought that I didn't like her and she got like you said just because she didn't wave well what happened with her is every morning when I will I worked at a private school during this time and every morning when I would open the door you know I would say good morning and I would always make sure the kids spoke that was something that we would always when you see someone you say good morning when you enter a room if it's morning and the kids would have to say good morning and some of them would give me hugs and all that um, but I, over the over that time period, I had become very close with some of the parents. Um, they really loved the way that I disciplined the children in a way that was teachable. And they hadn't experienced that before because every time I disciplined was a learning lesson for everyone. If I had to discipline a child, I made it a learning lesson for all the kids. And so when I would see them, I'm like, hey, girl, how you doing? Oh, good morning. Have a good day. And I never paid attention that she was dropping her daughter off when these parents would come in. They all came at the same time. 
And so when I would see her, I would just say, good morning. But to the other ones, the ones that I have become close to, it was more than that. And she thought that I did not like her because of that. Now, I did say good morning. And we when we had our parent-teacher conference, this lady brought that up. And she said, every morning I drop my daughter off. All you say is good morning to me. But you're so friendly and so kind to everyone else besides me. What's that learn? What do you get this from? But you know what I learned from that? I learned from that, that I had to, one of the things that it really bothered me. It was one of those things after that. I mean, I felt so bad, but I had to sit down and I had to look at the fact that I had 25 parents and out of 25 parents, 23 of them were all right with me and liked me. So that meant that I was doing something good and it wasn't always My fault sometimes is them. And that is a lesson that I've taken through my life when I'm working somewhere else or anything. I go and I think about them like, okay, that's one person out of all of these. I think you're okay. Because sometimes if it's everybody against you, then you might need to do some, you know, look at yourself and say, well, don't nobody like, you know, nobody likes me. So it might be me. But when you only have one or two. So I learned that from. Um, I learned that from my students, you know, Mm -hmm. so when you are um, dealing with, let's talk about the parents, not the students, when you come across parents that you see that that's having issues in their life, and I've run across some who I have been through something that they've been through, how do you handle them? Because of course it reflects on the children. When parents have issues at home, oftentimes it reflects on the children and sometimes they'll tell you. Sometimes they'll draw it out on paper and you ask them about the picture and they tell you. So Mm -hmm. what do you do with the parents? How do you, you know, navigate with the parents, especially if it's something that you've been through? So it was really difficult. Um, I, I wrote a book and I am a published author. My book is about my escape from domestic abuse and um, the kids, some of the kids had Googled me and, oh, wow. And, and oh, middle school, yeah. never mind. I'm still Absolutely. thinking about my little yeah. babies, middle school. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Middle that's school. what they do. So they're, <laughs> so they're looking at rate my teacher and all this kind of stuff. And this little boy looks at me and he goes, Miss, did your husband hit you? Cause that's what my dad did to us. And I was oh like, God. oh no. Really? Did you? I don't really want to go there. Um, but I said, well, um, you know, that's not really something that I want to talk about in class, but maybe you and I can talk about this. You know, we can talk about it later. And and so we talked about it after class because he wasn't letting that go, that the boy was not letting that go. And so I chatted with him a little and I I said, well, no, he didn't really hit me, but there were some other things that were, you know, abusive and whatever. And so um, I went from there to the guidance counselor's office to go, hey, are you aware? And they said that um, social services was already involved and the dad was taking like anger management classes and supervised and he had earned his way back into supervised visitation and that kind of thing. So his dad was on was really working toward 
being reunited with the family. And that's like the best case scenario. But, you know, sharing with the boys that, you know, that because they had he had he had a brother and, you know, that had to be horrible to, you know, to experience that and to to be able to empathize with, you know, this is what happened, not really the same, but, but to him, I was a kindred spirit because I had been through something like that. Um, I wouldn't wish that on anyone, you know, and some of the kids in my classes who had come from other countries have just, you know, they have been through a lot of trauma, war, abuse, and that kind of thing. And I think that what I went through, although I wouldn't wish that on anyone, has made me a better person because I'm sympathetic, empathetic. I, you know, I can, I can speak for the children that don't have that voice or that advocate for them. And have you ever had to actually talk to a parent have you direct because I know the kids and we love the kids and all that but have you ever had to talk to a parent or go to a parent because of something that the child has said or that you sent something and you was like maybe I need to talk to his or her mom and find out what's going on have you ever had to go directly to a parent so no because um the the school district that I was at wanted to go through the like the social workers, the guidance counselors and that kind of stuff. Um, I really tried to there were a couple kids who were just like I knew they were in trouble and they they caused all kinds of havoc. But the I the but I would try to catch them doing something good mm-hmm. and then I would then I would go to their parent and say, hey, do you know that your kid made this bridge today or your kid made, let me show you a picture of what they, you know, here's their 3D printer, what they made on the 3D printer. Why don't you ask them about it when they, when they get home and trying to build some of those more positive interactions, Mm -hmm. the negative ones, like I said, that the administration wanted those handled differently okay but I tried to tried to make those positive inroads for the kids that I knew were were usually getting parent calls because they weren't doing whatever they should do so trying to make those positive interactions was really was really rewarding that's good that's a good way of dealing with it and focus on the positive behavior versus the negative whether it's with a parent or not, um, with the, which is great. So you said that you wrote a book about domestic violence. Can you tell us a little bit about the book? Sure. So um, how I usually like I start the I start telling about my book with with a little hook story, but um, I had gone to my church elder, and I needed a place to stay. I was, um, my ex-husband was stalking me. He was harassing anyone who said they would be my friend and I needed someplace safe to hide from him. 
And when I got there, he didn't let me in, which was really interesting. It was really different because they had hosted my baby shower there like, you know, like a year before that. And I had been shopping with his wife and, you know, we had Sunday dinners and all this kind of stuff. And he stood with his arm across the back door of, of his house, like not letting me in. And he said, he's dangerous. And I said, I know I have bruises. And he said, we can't help you anymore, but we'll pray for you. Good luck. Oh my God. And so, um, so to, so to, you know, so I didn't know what I was going to do. I walked back to my car with my head kind of just hanging like, God, I don't know what to do now. My church is the church people that I had depended on are mm-hmm. saying that they can't help, but they'll pray for me. Good luck. And I had no place to stay. I had very little money and my ex-husband was harassing and stalking me um when the he was in the navy so when the navy detectives arrested him he told them that he would finish the job if he found me oh my they believed that he was going to that he would try to kill me and that he had already tried and so I was in grave danger and I was hiding I was in hiding until the judge let my daughter and I leave Washington state And so um, my book is called I'll Pray For You. It's tongue in cheek because that's what he said to me. Um, And it has taken a long time for me to to get back into church. And, you know, it's not God's fault that those people were not not help, you know, Christian helping. Um, And in the book, I I list some some red flags that I missed that I, you know, I should have seen the giant red flags, but, you know, we, we overlook those things because we don't think that the person who says they love us will ever hurt us. Why would, you know, why would we think that? And so, um, and so I end the book with God has given me such a better life. Now my life is 10 times better than it ever was before. And I'm just so thankful. And I know that um, God saved me. And, mm-hmm. you know, through all of that, God saved me. And and basically, I get to help other people now, too. So I, I, I you know, story. I love this hearing this um about the book and one of the things I love to hear about is that the fact that there are so many people that walk around with church hurt that's what I call it people in the church have hurt them and I've been hurt a couple of times but I have always been one of those Christians who have a great relationship with God so I would not blame God for the behaviors of other people right and I think that's such a great message to send out you know, that even if you have church hurt, like you just said, it wasn't God. It was right. them. It was there because people have free choice. They make Absolutely. their own torch choices every day. So it's not about God. It's more so about them. So I'm so grateful that you're here, that you, I'm sorry you went through that. However, I'm grateful that you, the coming out of it produced a book that can help so many people 
who may be in the situation. So in the book, it does address the, the issue about the church hurt about the, the minister who didn't let you in. So does it, it talks a little bit about that because yeah. I was, okay, good. And there was also a different minister who, who um, he and his wife actually invited me to their church and they met me because I was afraid that if I went there that, you know, I would put people in danger and they met me before the service and they hugged me and prayed with me. And, and they said, you know, God doesn't want this for anyone. This is not, this is not on you, right? This is not like you were talking about, you know, if somebody doesn't, if there's a bunch of people that don't like you, is that on you? And, and there, they said, you know, this is, this is not right. And you are welcome here anytime. And please call us if you need something. And that was just so, so needed at the moment. Yeah. And they were just so, so kind. And I really felt like I felt that, you know, I felt God's love around me at yeah. that point because, you know, it's, it's not God. God loves people and he doesn't want them to be hurt. You know, and that's that's not his choice, but people make bad, but people yes, do bad do. things. And so um, so separating the the God who loves me from the people who say that they love God and they're following him and not really. And that's a tough place to be. It is. Yeah. But the beautiful thing is that you're sitting here, you're doing this interview, you're using your book to help people to make it through if they're in the situation or they are trying to get out of it. So I am so grateful that God even gave you the idea to write the book. And I think sometimes when we go through difficult things in our lives, to go back and reflect on it can be very difficult, but to even put it in writing and put it into the world can be even harder. So I am so grateful. So please tell my um, listeners where they can find the book um, and give them your social media, you know, website and all that. So if they want to read the book, or even if they know someone who may need to read the book, that they will be able to have access to it. You know, Christmas will be coming up in a couple of months, you guys, great Christmas gifts. Absolutely. So please go ahead and share where you where we can find it. So my website is author D as in Donna Wales, W-A-Y-L-E-S dot org. Um, so it's author D Wales dot org. And then my book is called I'll Pray for You. And the best, the easiest place to get it is Amazon. And um, social media, just look for Donna Wales. Again, it's W-A-Y-L-E-S. So Facebook, Instagram. I can't do TikTok. Um, the middle school kids <laughs> that I teach are all on TikTok. Yes. I, I just can't, you know, yeah. so, so we got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> I, I can't, I just can't do TikTok, but Facebook, Instagram, um, every once in a while I will tweet something, but um, lots of YouTube videos and, and interviews and things like this one will be, <laughs> is, is just great. So it's all pray for you. And, okay, and best thanks. place to get it is Amazon. Thanks. Okay, thank you so much. And I'll make sure that I put that in the description so that they can just click on it. I'll put the links and everything in um, 
in the description so they have access to it. So thank you so much, Donna, for taking the time out today to thank come you. and be on the show and for sharing your story about the baby, about the kids. I agree to say, I was going to say the babies, but they were my babies yeah. about, you know, middle school. And if there's teachers out there, be encouraged, you got, be encouraged and do let Donna be an, an example to you to find the good, even in the students that are challenging. Just try to find the good. So thank you again for being here. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I am so excited that you took the time to listen. I pray that these stories or something we have said will make you think about your story and how it has impacted your life. If you like what you hear, Please share. Don't keep a good thing to yourself. Subscribe and support. You can also follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at Miss V the Storyteller. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. Bye.